You may be seated. How are we doing? Tired, huh? That'd be my son in the front row. Of course he'd say that. Hey, you know, I thought what was uh, really interesting about today's message is that it wasn't planned to happen. This message today was not in my original plan for this series. I'd actually planned to end this series with next week's message, but you know how God works. In his heart, a man plans his course, but it's the Lord who determines his steps, and so always want to follow the Lord. And so when he laid this message on my heart, I said, well, we'll just extend the series one more week, right? Just make it the whole month of January. So we are continuing our message series today. Are you able? Are you able to be more like Jesus? Last week, I said that the only thing that separates being hospitable from being a hospital is being able. The church should be a hospital where we gather with others in all of our brokenness and in all of our messiness to be made well. To be made well by coming to church, rolling up both sleeves and having both of our arms filled with the IV of the Holy Spirit so that we can be completely filled with hope and grace and forgiveness, peace, joy, love, and ultimately healing. The great physician... Jehovah Rapha, he sent his son into this world to be a hospital so that we would be made well because he was both hospitable and hospital able. Jesus welcomed outsiders. The real test of being hospitable is how welcoming we are to those who may be on the margins of our society. Jesus humbly served others. Jesus actively engaged others. It didn't matter who they were or what they had done. He always showed compassion. He always listened because he was always able. Are you able? Last week, I challenged all of us to try and invite at least one person to enjoy a meal with you each month. It's good to be hospitable to those we know, but it's even better to be hospitable to those we don't know. So I encouraged us to come out of our comfort zones, to be a hospital, and to love strangers. And when we do, we will be the hands and feet of Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we invite you here. Lord God, stir our hearts so that we will obey you and so that we will spread your word to all those who need to hear. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. So today, we're going to talk about being watchable and being watch-able. As Christ followers, we must be both watchable and watch-able. Now, what do I mean by this? We're first going to dive into what it means to be watchable. To be watchable simply means that we are living our lives as the Bible prescribes. 
and that as people watch us, they see that our lives are a witness to the good news of Jesus Christ. So what kind of witness are we? When people watch us, what do they see? Do they see Jesus in us? Do our actions align with what we say we believe? You see, there are a ton of Christians in the world who profess with their mouth that they believe in Jesus, but the way they live their lives actually denies him. Pastor Craig Rochelle wrote a book about this in 2010. It was called The Christian Atheist. Now, a Christian atheist is someone who says they believe in God, but they live their lives as if he doesn't exist. In other words, they are unwatchable because their lives do not reflect the glory of God. Now, I know all too well about Christian atheists because I was one years ago. Oh, yeah, I claim to believe in God. But if you looked at my life and how I was living, it was really no different than the rest of the world. I worried like the world. I indulged in all kinds of things just like the world. And I did everything as if the everything depended upon me. I was unwatchable because my actions did not align with what I said I believed. Are you watchable? The Apostle Paul said this in Philippians chapter 3, verse 17. He said, Brothers and sisters, join in following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. Paul boldly told the Philippians, to follow his example, and to watch those who live according to the pattern you have in us, meaning those who have patterned their lives after Jesus. He and the followers of Christ were watchable. They were watchable because their lives looked like Jesus. Now, he didn't have some big head here saying, hey, all you need to do is just follow me because I got it all together. He wasn't saying this with a cocky attitude. In fact, if you back up just five verses from this one, Paul clearly admits, hey, I'm not perfect. I've not reached perfection, but I press on to reach that perfection. That perfection is to know Christ. It's to actually know him, to live for and through him. That's why he was watchable. He said nearly the same thing to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Could you say that about your life? Are you watchable? Could others watch you and then pattern their lives after you because you are setting an example by how you're following Christ? Paul continues in verse 18 of Philippians chapter 3. Here's what he says. For I have told you often before, and I say it again with tears in my eyes, that there are many whose conduct shows they are really enemies of the cross of Christ. They are headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things, and they think only about this life here on this earth. What Paul is saying here is that there are many who are unfortunately unwatchable because they are living for the here and the now. While they may profess with their mouth, right, one thing, but their conduct or their actions actually show something totally different, that they're enemies of the cross of Christ. So are you watchable or are you unwatchable? What do people see when they look at you and how you're living? Are you living for Jesus? Are you patterning your life after him? 
What are you doing right now in your life that you know you shouldn't be doing? Are you holding on to a grudge against someone? Are you speaking ill about someone? Do you fly off the handle when things don't go your way? Are you worrying about something? What are you allowing into your mind right now about what you're watching? Don't think for a moment that what you watch doesn't impact your life. Is it really watchable? Or is it just filled with the lust of the world? Violence, vengeance, greed, materialism, infidelity, horror, and sex. I could keep going, but you know, you know. Listen, if you're a child of God and you have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you, then you know what's watchable or not. You know. Now, Tuesday morning, I was here in the church in my office. And uh, while I was working, I overheard some of the ladies' Bible study that was going on out here in the living room. And they were listening to a video teaching series by Priscilla Shire called Discerning the Voice of God. And I want to play just a brief audio excerpt from this study because when I heard it, it spoke right to my soul. And it speaks right to the heart of what it means to have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us and how we can know what's watchable or not. Now, of course, all of us is being continually, progressively sanctified. We will not be perfect until we see him face to face. So none of us can solely trust our conscience to know whether or not um, we are hearing the voice of God. But if you feel at your uh, core level, my friend calls it her knower, her knower. <laughs> if you just know in your knower, <laughs> if there's a conviction, I'm talking about for a woman who has accepted and received Christ, for a son of God who has accepted, you've received Christ Jesus. So the Holy Spirit uh, lives on the inside of you. You can expect that what he has begun to do is seep out into your soul, begin to reawaken your mind, adjust your thinking, begin to mold your feelings so that they're in alignment with God, begin to readjust your ambitions, your will, so that it is aligned with the purposes for which you were created. And he awakens your conscience so that your conscience can now be used as a microphone so that you can hear God. So now, when you feel that conviction, take note of the conviction. When you're sitting in that movie, the same movie you would have always seen. I mean, you never felt any conviction before, but all of a sudden now you sit and you see those kinds of scenes and you hear those kind of jokes and all of a sudden they just seem distasteful to you. Don't discount that. That's the Holy Spirit. Don't wonder why you're changing. Don't just sit through the movie anyway. That's the Holy Spirit. <laughs> The Holy Spirit is saying, come on, I'm reawakening you, I'm changing you, and I'm transforming you. And the more you yield to the Holy Spirit, the more you renew your mind. This is how we cooperate with sanctification. We renew our mind through the pages of Scripture. The more we cooperate with him, surrendering and obeying, that is the extent to which we are filled by God's Spirit, and his voice becomes more loud and more clear. Likewise, to the extent that you ignore the Holy Spirit, to the extent that you just keep bypassing that conviction that is in your gut, in your knower, you will become callous and hardened. The convictions will become less clear, less discernible. The more we listen and obey the Holy Spirit, the more watchable we become. Let me say that again. The more we listen and obey the Holy Spirit, the more watchable we become. 
But the converse of this is also true. The more that we ignore the Holy Spirit, the more unwatchable we become. We must be watchable. There is an entire world of people out there who are searching for answers that they will never find in this world. You name the problem, and the answer will always be the same, Jesus. So is that what people see when they see you? Do they see Jesus? If you are a child of God, then you are carrying around inside of you the answer to all of the world's problems. And there are always people watching. Kids are watching. Do you know that? They are watching you. Are you watchable? We are to be the light of the world. Light shines, and when it shines, people take notice. Have you ever been driving at night on a two-lane road, and you see an oncoming car coming at you? What naturally happens? We stare at the light, don't we? We can't help it. It just happens. Because we are naturally attracted to light. Light is watchable. Are you? Now let's shift gears and let's talk about being watch able. It's one thing for us to be watchable so that when others see us, they see Jesus in us and not the world in us. But it's an entirely different thing altogether for us to be watch able. So what do I mean by being watch able? The Apostle Peter, he says this in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. He says, be alert, be on watch. Your enemy, the devil, roams around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Now, the two Greek words behind be alert and be on watch are a very powerful combination, and they get right to the heart of what it means to be watch-able. The first Greek word here is nepho, which means to be sober-minded, to be free from the intoxicants of the world. When we're sober, we can think clearly, and we're not under the influence of anything that would dull our senses. The second Greek word that's used here is gregoreo, and it means to watch with expectancy, to be attentive, to be spiritually awake and alert, and to be on guard. Now, why do we need such a powerful combination here to explain what it means to be watchable? Because of the very next part of what Peter tells us. We have an enemy. The New Living Translation actually renders that our great enemy. I love that because we can never underestimate him. Our great enemy, the devil, roams around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Did you know that 24 hours a day, seven days a week, your enemy is stalking you? He's stalking you. He is looking for any way that he can devour you. As I've said many times, he is not out to just inconvenience our lives. He is out to steal, kill, and destroy. That is his mission. And that is the urgency of why we need to be watch-able. We must be sober-minded so that we are alert and aware of what's going on all around us. And we have to be spiritually awake and on guard. Temptations are a powerful tool that the enemy uses to lower our defenses. And they can be so enticing because our enemy is so deceitful. He will appeal to our flesh. It feels good. It's only a little. You deserve it. No one has to know. 
you can repent later. Come on. There are all kinds of lies that he uses to get our guard down. And when we do, he pounces like a roaring lion. We must be watch able. Are you able? When we are watch able, we are not surprised. Did you hear me? We are not surprised because we are watching and we are waiting with expectancy. This is exactly what the Apostle Paul drives home in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 when he talks about the day of the Lord, the day when Jesus will return to this earth. And Scripture records that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. But I want us all to hear what Paul says here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 4 through 8. He says, But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness, so that this day should surprise you like a thief. If you are watch able, then this day will not be a surprise. He doesn't come to those who are watch able as a thief. He comes as a thief to all those who have not bowed down to his lordship and accepted him as their savior. Those are the ones who will be surprised when he comes like a thief because they were not watch able. Now, I'm going to come back to this text here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. But I've got to take a spiritual detour here, and we've got to go to Revelation chapter 3 to drive this point home about Jesus coming as a thief. Jesus told the apostle John to write a letter to the church in Sardis. And here's what he said to them. He said this, I know all the things you do and that you have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. Wake up. Strengthen what little remains, for even what is left is almost dead. I find that your actions do not meet the requirements of my God. Go back to what you heard and believed at first. Hold to it firmly. Repent and turn to me again. If you don't wake up, I will come to you suddenly, as unexpected as a thief. That is incredibly strong language that Jesus is using here. Wake up! In other words, be watch able. Repent and turn to me again. That word again is incredibly significant. It means that those people in that church that Jesus is speaking to, at one time or another, they were watchable. They were spiritually awake and alert. They were on guard, and they did hold fast to what they believed. And their actions actually aligned with what they said they believed. But what happened to them? What happened? Somewhere in their spiritual journey, they grew dull and spiritually sleepy. And when that happens, our flesh can easily lead us astray through what the enemy will use to take us down. Jesus is saying, come back to me. Repent. Wake up. Because if you don't, I will suddenly come to you like a thief. Now, the Holy Spirit is speaking to some of you right now. Are you listening? He's calling you back to him. Repent and turn to him. Turn away from the way of the world. Wake up! The time is now. It is urgent. There is no time to waste, child of God. None of us know the hour or the day of when he will return. Will you be ready? Are you watch able? Now, let me come back to Paul's words in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Okay, we did a spiritual detour. We're coming back. Paul says this in verse 5. He says, you are all children of the light and children of the day. So, if you've accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're a child of light. Paul continues. 
We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be what? Awake and sober. In other words, be watch able. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober. Putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. So how else are we to be watch able? By putting on faith and love as a breastplate and hope of salvation as a helmet. It's right there at the end of verse 8. Now, the imagery here that's being used is incredibly important. This is battle armor that Paul is talking about here. It's battle armor because we are in a war. Did you know that? It is a war for our very souls, and the stakes couldn't be higher. Look around. Look around at our world. There is so much corruption, perversion, materialism, self-centeredness, and outright rebellion to God and his righteousness. And yet one critical element that continues to be missing in the church today is any sense of urgency. The lack of urgency is appalling today. Now, I listened to a message uh, yesterday by Pastor Jack Hibbs. Thank you, David, for sending that to me. And he, his series is all about the war of 2024. If you haven't heard it, I would encourage you to tune in because he's talking all about what's going on around us. And he's talking about a spiritual war. And one thing I loved about what he said in there is he talked about how some of you are going to be really offended by what I'm going to say. And maybe by the end of the year, there may only be 10 people sitting in this auditorium. He's got thousands of people in that church. Because he finally was like, you know what? We're coming into 2024. He's like, okay, God, the gloves are off. I'm not playing it safe anymore. I'm just speaking it like it is. I'm just speaking the truth. Amen. We need more pastors that are willing to do that from the pulpit. Just speak the truth. And don't worry about the consequences. God will take care of the consequences. There's more consequences for not speaking the truth from the pulpit. Right? This is not about entertaining you, tickling your ears or any of that, or feel good. It's the power of God through the truth of his word. That's what we're about. That's what matters. Amen. So we are in a war for our very souls. Now, this lack of urgency that we see in the church today, it can stem from any number of things. It could be complacency where we've just gotten too comfortable and we've allowed worldliness to just lull us to sleep and numb us from reality. It could be that it's just ignorance where we really just don't realize what's really at stake. Or, or perhaps it's just outright carelessness where we have some idea, but we just don't care because we're too busy being too consumed with ourselves and what's going on in this physical world. But there is so much more to this life than just the physical world. There is an invisible spiritual war raging right now as I speak. The time is urgent. There are many people who are walking around in this life who are spiritually wounded or who are spiritually dead. Now, the one thing that all reasons have in common for the lack of urgency today is because of a lack of being watch-able. That's what everything comes down to. You can put on all the armor you want. You can try to build your own little spiritual compound and wall yourself off from society. But if you are not watch-able, you will perish. That's how serious this is. It is life or it is death. And there's no time to waste. 
Jesus explained the urgency that we are to have in a series of parables at the end of Matthew chapter 24 and into Matthew chapter 25. These parables give clarity to what it means to be watch able so that we wait expectantly for his return and that we are ready when he does return. Now, in the parable of the faithful servant, at the end of Matthew chapter 24, Jesus says this. He says, A faithful, sensible servant is one to whom the master can give the responsibility of managing his other household servants and feeding him. So the question here is, are we faithful servants? How are we spiritually feeding others? How faithful we are determines how our master, right, will respond on his return. Verse 46, if the master returns and finds that the servant has done a good job, there will be what? A reward. I tell you the truth, the master will put that servant in charge of all that he owns. But what if the servant is evil and thinks, my master won't be back for a while. And he begins beating the other servants, partying and getting drunk. The master will return unannounced and unexpected. Notice again, like we've already shown from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and Revelation chapter 3, verse 3, who will the master return to unannounced and unexpected like a thief? Who are these people? Unbelievers or those who are evil, those who are not watch able, those who do not remain in Jesus. That's why Jesus says we are to come back to him and repent in Revelation chapter 3, verse 3. But what happens to those people who don't, who remain in their evil? Verse 51, and he will cut the servant to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Let me come back to that word hypocrites. Think about what I said in the very beginning. Those who profess with their mouth that they believe, but then by their actions and how they live their life, they actually show that they don't that they deny him, right? Hypocrites. That's how serious this is. Where do they go? They get assigned to the place where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. In other words, these people will go to hell. They will burn in the lake of fire forever. That is the fate of all those who are not watch able. Now, in Matthew chapter 25, Jesus tells us the parable of the 10 bridesmaids. He said, the kingdom of God is like 10 bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and did not bring enough oil, but the other five were wise and they did bring enough oil. So let's pick up in verse six of Matthew chapter 25 and we're gonna see how this story unfolds. Jesus says here, and at midnight, a cry was heard. Behold, the bridegroom is coming to go out to meet him. Then all those virgins around him trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there should not be enough for us and you. But go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding. And the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. You see, these wise bridesmaids were ready because they were watch-able. They were ready, alert, awake, sober, and they were waiting expectantly for the Lord to return. 
Only the continual presence of God in our lives can keep the fire of our faith burning through the dark nights that we all endure. Every person is responsible for their own spiritual condition. We cannot share our salvation with anyone else. You notice that those bridesmaids, they had to go purchase their own oil, didn't they? And this, this all comes at a cost. The oil comes at a cost, and it is complete surrender to Jesus. Spiritual preparation is critical. We must be ready when he returns. We must be watch able. When he returns, there'll be no second chances. It will be too late, which is exactly what those five foolish bridesmaids experienced. Therefore, Jesus said in verse 13, watch for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the son of man is coming. In other words, be watch able. As Christ followers, we must be both watchable and watch able. There is a whole world of people watching. What kind of witness for Jesus are you? Do our lives look like him? He is our example. The more we listen and obey the Holy Spirit, the more watchable we become. We have an enemy who never stops and he never quits. He is out to destroy us. And we are to be alert. We are to be spiritually awake, sober, and on guard. We must be watch able. You see, the time is urgent. The battle is real. And we cannot afford to be lazy in our faith. We must be ready at all times for Jesus to return. And he will return to this earth. And hopefully soon. But no matter how long we wait, we must be ready and continue to wait expectantly for him. We must be watch able. He's not slow about his promise. He will return. But his word says he does not want anyone to perish, but he wants everyone to come to repentance. So however long it takes, it's just more time for more souls to be saved. Are you watchable? And are you watch able? I want to close with one last scripture today, and it comes from 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 through 16. So if you have your Bibles, let's turn there together. 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 13. Peter opens this chapter by describing the living hope that we have by being spiritually reborn. It is a hope that leads to salvation, the forgiveness of our sins, and eternity with him. It's a hope that was made possible by God's mercy because we were all dead in our sins. But God sent his son to die on the cross for our sins, and it was through his resurrection that we can now have this living hope. Even though we may have to go through various trials for a while, as we wait for the full salvation of our souls, we can still rejoice because of this living hope. And then Peter says this, beginning in verse 13. Therefore, with your minds ready for action, be sober-minded and set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. In other words, be watch-able. Verse 14, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires of your former ignorance, but as the one who called you is holy, you also are to be holy in all your conduct. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. In other words, be watchable. If we are holy as he is holy, we will be watchable. 
Being holy is being set apart. It's being unstained by sin. That is what makes God so unique. His holiness is the central part of who he is. You never see God described in the Bible as love, love, love. You never see him described as sovereign, sovereign, sovereign. You don't see him described as merciful, merciful, merciful. But you do see him described as holy, holy, holy. God's perfect holiness is what encapsulates all his other attributes. His love is a holy love. His sovereignty is a holy sovereignty. His mercy is a holy mercy. Are you getting this? Everything about God is so far above anything we could ever comprehend with our finite minds. He is holy, holy, holy. And we must be holy because he is holy, which means We are to pursue holiness by seeking to please him in every area of our lives. And when we do this, we will be watchable. The key to being both watchable and being watchable is holiness. Is that what you're pursuing in your life? To be holy as he is holy? Are you able? Are you able to be more like Jesus? Let's stand and worship together. God is is more than able.
Father, we praise you for who you are. You are holy, holy, holy. I recognize that the more I follow you, the more I see that I don't measure up. And I just can't do it on my own. I'm not able without you, but you are more than able. And so we lean on you, Lord. We pray right now for a spiritual reset in every one of our minds and every one of our hearts. Lord, that we walk out these doors and remember that it is urgent. These people, this world, it needs Jesus so badly, so desperately. Lord God, there's so many things that can uh, grab our attention, so many things that can get us distracted and worried and fearful and any number of things, enticed into temptation and ultimately sin. Lord, pull us out of all of that. Help us to remember what's truly important, and that is following hard after you, Lord. May there be nothing in this life that fulfills us more than walking out our faith before you, before a holy God. Lord, our whole purpose in existence on this, li- on this earth is to glorify you. And I pray, Jesus, that we would do that in all that we set our hands to. And Lord, I thank you that um, you're a God of mercy and of grace because we all, we all of us fall down and mess up at times. But can we turn to you, Lord, and just repent? Just change our mind and change our direction so that we align with you that we confess our sins before you and that you would cleanse us of that, Lord. Your word tells us that you'll cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You'll remove our sin from us as far as the east is from the west. That your mercies are fresh and new every morning. Thank you, Jesus, for the truth of your word. There's so many things out there that claim to be the truth, but there's only one truth, and that's you, Lord. You are the embodiment of that truth. And so, Lord, help us to shine your light to be salt and light in this world, a light that preserves, a light that shines, that reflects you in all we do. I pray, Lord, for maybe that person that's here today that was convicted by the Holy Spirit. May it not be just an emotional thing, Lord. May it be a life change moment that it would take root in their life and produce a harvest to glorify you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. If you need prayer of any kind, come forward. I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to meet you if this is your first time here. Uh, I love you guys. God bless you. Have a great week. Great word. Thank you. Amen.